welcome to another episode of Pull Yourself Together with eShaver Booksellers. I'm Melissa. I'm Jessica. And we have a guest today. I'm Miriam. Yeah. <laughs> Bookseller extraordinaire. Yes. Um, so we've got some more book recommendations for you if you guys are still doing some isolation reading. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, as the world continues to be strange, um, I've picked a novel that I really, really enjoyed before all this happened, and um, it's it's actually a it's sort of an apocalyptic novel about the end of humankind, but <laughs> but it's, it's a little on the nose for right now. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's yeah. also um, hopeful. The narrator is a crow. I can't tell you his full name because we'd have to edit some of it out. But let's just say his initials are ST. He has grown up with Big Jim, who is a, an electrician who likes drinking beer, Cheetos, women, sports on TV, um, and has a series of unsuccessful relationships with women that he talks to ST about. And then one day, as they're in the backyard, um, hanging out with Dennis, who is the faithful, but maybe not so bright, but really, really loyal bloodhound. Um, one of Big Jim's eyeballs falls out, and it's then that St. realizes that something is really going wrong with the humans, or as he calls them, the mofos. So Shocker. accurate. <clears throat> yep, he is in Seattle, and um, and what happens from there is. Him trying to go out and kind of make sense of it all. He loves all things human. I mean, he <laughs> loves all things human. Um, he has been raised on Cheetos. Of course he, he loves, loves all things human. <laughs> Ain't nothing better than Cheetos. No. He, um, he really does. But he, anyway, he decides to go out there in the world and venture out and discovers that there are really no humans left. And that... Mm. Um, but there's a problem because there are all the Dennis's out there. Um, the creatures that loved the mofos, depended on them for food, and were also locked in a lot of houses because they don't have thumbs. And so the plight of the poor animal, <laughs> lack of opposable thumbs. thumbs. Yes. <laughs> so it really becomes, it starts out as an apocalyptic novel, and it continues as one, but it's really a novel about the interconnectedness of nature, working together, friendship, and those that you kind of maybe didn't realize were, had great qualities um, that you had underestimated becoming your really good friends and loyal companions. So it's it's a book about, in a very weird and bizarre sort of way, <laughs> about the interconnectedness of nature and friendship. Okay, so just just <clears throat> so we're clear, this is not a puppy snuff book, right? No. Okay. <laughs> no, there, it is not a puppy snuff book. Because <laughs> um, it does have a dog on the cover, and that yeah. never goes well for the dog. Yeah. No, they rode well. Dennis... <laughs> Dennis is such a good dog. Um, but everybody learns a lot from their journey, and it's it's not um, an unhappy or unhopeful ending without okay. giving away too much. I mean, except for the mofos, which are all, that's it. No yeah. no more humans. No. That, there's no there's no going back from there. <laughs> we may have had it coming. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's very environmentally aware, and so um, ironically it is 
sort of the point she was trying to make in the book. Yeah. And so I don't know if that's actually, ironically, in these current times. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so and who's the author on that one? The author on that is Kira Jane Buxton, and it is Hollow Kingdom, a novel. And it is coming out in paperback in the relatively near future, but it's still in hardcover right now. All right, perfect. Miriam, what's up first for you? My first book is Code Girls by Liza Mundy, which is the nonfiction book that we read for Feminist Book Club in April. Um, for those of you that joined, thanks. Um, it's a um, really dense but very enlightening history of women, code breakers, and World War II. Um, it opened with Pearl Harbor. <laughs> That's a, a little heavy. Really, really heavy. It was right when um, all of this pandemic stuff happened, so I put the book down, read some YA fantasy and then went back to it and I was in a much better headspace for it but um, the two main characters that she focuses on are Dot and Crow who are both in the South who um, both started out as teachers or secretaries because those were the types of women that the military was looking for because they were shipping all the men off to go to war so they were looking for teachers who had most likely gone to a liberal arts university, had studied math or English because they were the ones that were equipped with the skills to break codes. Um, she delves a little bit into how code breaking came about and who the first code breakers were around the time of the First World War um, and the women that were at the forefront of it because no one talks about the women who were involved. Um, and what's odd is a lot of them didn't come forward with what they had done during the war because of the vow of secrecy mm -hmm. that they had um, in order to be in that department. Um, but it was just really well-researched. Um, I like that she focused on two main characters, but she still had kind of a broad scope. But it was really, really dense, but I really, really liked it, yeah. But so was it dense in just a lot of information, lot of but information. readable, like a, a good, yeah, the engaging only, sort It of was engaging. The only parts that I found confusing were the times that she tried to explain how to break codes, mm -hmm. and my brain just couldn't follow it. <laughs> sure, I don't I think my brain to, would follow that either. No, <laughs> I have to follow it myself or actually do it kinesthetically instead of reading about it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how to do but it. the narrative was very readable. And yes, sort yes. of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel like um, reading about that, my brain would go ping, and then just oh, yeah. go. <laughs> you don't feel like an idiot <laughs> reading about it, but if you're not good at math, which I'm not, then you're just kind of jealous of of these, these people women. who are brilliant. <laughs> yes. yes, these people yeah. who can do the math. <laughs> yes. So if you like World War II history, if you want to learn more about the women who were involved during that war, and you like. Even if you like crossword puzzles and different kinds of mind-bending things, I think you'll definitely like the book. And who's the author? Liza Mundy. Liza Mundy, and is it, it's in paperback now. It's in paperback. Yes. And we have it. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right, so my first one is My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. Um, so I will preface this by saying that this is a really kind of dark book, um, reminiscent a little bit of Lolita. Um, it's about a 15-year-old girl who enters into a, and I'm using air quotes here, consensual 
relationship with her much older English teacher. Um, and then 17 years later, all these allegations of sexual abuse of other girls by him start coming out. And it forces her to re-examine her relationship with him um, and re-examine how it's affected her life um, mm -hmm. in, up until this point. Because she's still in contact with him 17 years later. Um, and it's told in flashbacks. Um, and you see the way he's like psychologically grooming her um, to begin this relationship and makes her really believe that she consented to this, but you, you see through kind of her physical manifestations of stress and all these different things that just in a, in a relationship like that, where there's such a difference in power that there's not really a consensual relationship to be had there. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. so it's not, an easy read there are lots of things in it that are really uncomfortable although it's really well written um and there was a little bit of a kerfluffle with this book initially when um it was like about a month or two out from mm -hmm. publication and uh the author made a statement at that point saying that this is in fact based on her real life experience mm -hmm. um and this was kind of her way of dealing with it in a fictionalized way um and i just think it it's <clears throat> it's an important book in terms of consent and the times that we live in um and it also made me go back and actually buy the book lolita and read that because i had never read it before and i know it's a problematic book and people have a lot of opinions about it mm -hmm. um but it just uh, it's it's interesting um yeah, no, it sounds wonderful. We Melissa and I talked a lot about it as she was reading it, mm -hmm. and um, it is a book that's on my list of things to read. Um, I've just got a very long list of and, things to an read. An ever-growing list of things <clears throat> to read. So, yes. that, so that one is My Dark Vanessa by Kate Elizabeth Russell. Um, it is out in hardcover right now, and we do have copies of that. And it, it, it is, um, it has been very well received. Yeah, it has been. Um, it's, it's gotten incredible reviews. Actually, Stephen King gave it a glowing review. Um, yeah, yeah. So, my dark Vanessa. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm, I've, I've apparently gone down a dark road today, too. I <laughs> nice. tend to do. Instead of something completely different, I'm going to talk about something different, but... The same, but different. The yeah. same, but it's dark. It's, a, it's an older book. It's Pete Dexter's The Paperboy. It, um, I first heard about it on a list of books that Nancy Pearl, the librarian, put out on NPR. And um, I picked it up because it takes place in Florida, and I grew up in Florida. Where all <laughs> dark things happen. <laughs> well, and it is, if you, if, you, if you follow Florida in general, especially old-time Florida, um, or old sort of backwoods Florida, this is the book for you. A lot of it takes place around Gainesville and... It, it really is the Florida that I grew up in before Florida was all strip malls or right at the edge of it. This is, um, the main character is a newspaper guy. He is going to inherit the family newspaper business, and he comes back up to write this story about a murder that's taken place of the local sheriff. And there is a family who lives kind of back in the swamp, not kind of, they live <laughs> in, in the swamps in Florida, um, which there are 
you know, people, or there used to be before they were all turned into golf courses, um, yeah. <laughs> people who lived back there in a very um, uh, subsistence farming and... Um, sort of like the haulers of West Virginia. Yes, very much <laughs> like that. And they were people that you knew you did not want to mess with. Mm -hmm. And this is a story about one of those people who ends up on death row and they try to get him out through the efforts of this, um, it would now be online, but then letter-writing fiancé who's determined to get him out and marry him. And um, it, there's just a lot going on. Um, it, it is a dark book, but it's beautifully written. I'm, I'm not going to say anything about the ending because I don't want to ruin it. Um, all I will say is that the movie is really well done. I believe Nicole Kidman mm -hmm. plays the lead in the movie, and the movie does uh, have a happier ending than the book. Okay. Um, but if you remember Florida of the 70s and 60s, um, this, is, this is a book that describes all of it well, from Daytona Beach, from a lot of the Navy boys hanging around and the trouble they got into, um, to talking about Sparky the electric chair, it's it's all in there, oh, wow. and it's um, <laughs> it's it's a fascinating book. It's beautifully written. It has a great opening line, and um, it's Pete Dexter's The Paper Boy. So in my head, Sparky has googly eyes yeah. on him because why wouldn't he? Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, um, yeah, well, it's one of the nightmares of my childhood. So yes. Absolutely. But um, anyway, I yes, I, I recommend picking up. If you're in the mood for um, a old Florida, kind of dark mystery, The Paper Boy. Would you say it's kind of noir? But southern, um, I would say a little bit, but it almost, to me, reads not like nonfiction, nonfiction. It yeah. doesn't read like nonfiction. It reads like a novel. But there's a lot of um, things that you could take out of the paper from that time that fit in with this. Is it like well, Southern Gothic almost, <sighs> kind of. More well, like Florida's its own, own Southern <laughs> Gothic. Yeah, Florida doesn't really. Florida is Southern and not Southern yeah, in my mind. Yeah. Um, so it's um, Florida is just Florida like, is like Southern Jersey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, but these are so. A lot of these real old-time Florida families are people that have escaped into these swamps for a reason. They're mm -hmm. either ex, their families came from ex-Confederate soldiers who, gotcha. you know, so there. It, it's an interesting book. Okay. I would, I would, um, I would give it a look if you're in the mood for a dark sort of true crime-ish but okay. fictionalized murder mystery with some wonderful Florida suspense and weirdness thrown in absolutely <laughs> and alligators there are alligators well, oh, sort of. yeah. <laughs> it's a given yes okay so. uh, okay my second book is don't call the wolf by alexandra ross um it was so good <laughs> it is a young adult fantasy steeped in polish folklore okay. oh well um, that's the best kind right i know <laughs> so it's um I'll just pitch the kind of summary that's in the back of the book. Wren is a queen of a forest that has um, long been abandoned. Um, there was a kingdom there that had a very just prominent 
presence in their country. And this golden dragon came and um, killed the king and took the queen. And after that, the um, kingdom just fell into decay. And so all the citizens left to get out of that. And But the ones who stayed were kind of caught into this darkness that would come to the surface of the earth, um, if that makes sense. Like different monsters and kind of mutated versions of the creatures that used to live in the forest took over. And so they also mutated and kind of took over the humans. I don't want to say mutated. It was just a weird... They became part of the forest, basically. And she is the queen of this forest, and she wants to kill the dragon because it is the cause of all of her heartbreak and the um, decline of her kingdom. And there's um, a very obviously dashing um, counterpart to her. His name is Lucas, and he is a wolf lord, which is a brigade of dragon hunters, mm-hmm. and he is the last of his brothers. They have all disappeared because they went home to the mountains um, because they claimed that home was calling them back, and none of them were heard from again. So they're all presumed dead. He's the last surviving one, and his last older brother recently left, and he goes to the forest to get him back and meets up with Ren, and they teamed up together to... Um, go kill this dragon and find the brother. So if he promises to kill the dragon, she'll find his brother. And then um, the little tagline on the bottom says, but promise are all too easily broken. So, okay, so listening to you talk about that, (laughs) the sort of the darkness in the forest and people becoming a part of the darkness, and that reminds me a lot of Uprooted by Naomi Novus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that uh, that kind of has that sort of same flavor, yeah. which I really love that book. Yeah, so yes. I'm very that was a great book. Yes. <laughs> My roommate wants to read it. <laughs> yes. What um, was your question? Well, now I can't remember. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Um, if you like Uprooted, Uprooted. <laughs> if you um, like really, it has really good world building. The description is very vivid and well done. Um, I like really, really old folklore based mm-hmm. in Eastern Europe. Mm-hmm. Like it's not something you come across as much, and their stuff is really creepy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, there were a dark people. So the last <laughs> dark people. I, I talked about um, uh, Dragon Drag- Power, Power over the, the, yeah, dead. the Dead, which yeah. is a Polish translation. Yes. So I also like that dark Eastern European take on things. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to compare sort of Poland and at that area against the even darker Russian mm-hmm. stories. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Actually, I think that whole little Eastern European block can hold its own in darkness. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, definitely. And the Polish people are responsible for pierogies, so they're... Well, that's light. That's <laughs> the dark. Vote vote. Yeah, the Polish yes. people are okay about um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just really good. It's got the really tense kind of um, enemies to allies to mm-hmm. something more kind of trope. And is that one love. is that one this out? This one comes out on Tuesday. Okay. So it comes okay. out next week. Um so it will be in hardcover. And word to the wise, there is a pronunciation guide in the back of the book, which I didn't find until halfway through. Well, it's only <laughs> if you're reading it aloud that you really need to Oh no, I like, I like to know. <laughs> I know. Well, because then when you do find it, it's really hard then to continue reading Don't and know that you've been 
mispronouncing it in yes. your head all that time. So the main so character, the guy, his name is actually pronounced Lukash. Mm, so okay. Lucas, but I just said Lucas the entire time, and I couldn't go back. But <laughs> there's no going back. I'm just... sorry, Alexandra. Um, <laughs> anyway, yes, it's by Alexandra Ross. Don't call the wolf, and it comes out on Tuesday. Very cool. Okay, I want to read that one. All right. Yeah. So okay, <laughs> the next one I have. Um, if you guys have been listening to this, you know I like science fiction and fantasy. Um, so this one was actually one of the science fiction and fantasy book club picks um, for the store. And it's called Senlin of Sens by Josiah Bancroft. Um, and it's the first one in what is right now a trilogy, but according to the interwebs, there's going to be more, um, at least a fourth book. Um, okay, so my elevator pitch for this book is... Imagine Ichabod Crane went on his honeymoon to the Tower of Babel, um, which is sort of like Dante's Inferno, and he's accompanied by um, the trusty Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. Um, So basically... Does he have a towel? He does not have a towel, sadly. Mm. Um, And that's probably where he runs into trouble. (laughs) Um, So... This is, it's a really interesting book. Um, so Thomas Sunlin is a schoolmaster um, in the little town that he comes from. He ends up marrying a girl who had been his student. Um, nothing inappropriate. Like, they don't have a relationship while he's her teacher. This is several years after. Um, and he's not much older than her. Um, And so they go on their honeymoon to the Tower of Babel, which is supposed to be this vacation spot. And each level of the tower is a different thing. So their reservations are for the third level of the tower where it's like a spa and it's a hotel. And, you know, so that's where people go to visit. And they're told... Once they get to, like, the market that is, like, on the outskirts of the tower to watch watch out for the people you come with. Make sure you don't lose sight of them. Mm -hmm. He loses sight of her, and she's, like, gone. No! So, and then, like, and that's in, like, the first 20 pages of the book. He loses his new bride. Mm -hmm. So, he makes his way to the tower and decides that he's going to wait outside there because she knows that they have these reservations to stay on the third level, so she's going to make her way there. Mm -hmm. She doesn't. And so it's a few days later, and he decides, well, maybe she's gone inside, and she's gone up to the hotel. Mm -hmm. So he makes his way into the tower where nothing is what it seems, Um, and he he faces a few few difficulties trying to, to get to her. Um, now, th- this goes on for a few books, so no. you may infer that he has not found her by the end of this. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's super engaging. Um, when I first picked this up, I was, I was a little, um, concerned because it's like 400 pages long and it's got very tiny print and I was like, oh, this is going to take forever. It does not. It, it, like, keeps going very quickly. It's a page turner. Um, the stuff that he does in here is just really interesting. And all the sort of, like I said, all the sort of things that he pulls from, um, it's just a really fun read. It sounds like an adaptation of Orpheus and Eurydice. It's kind of. Sort of? I, I mean, there's, there's 
elements of that yeah. at play. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's um, yeah, yeah. We we talked about it. We went more down the Dante, I think, road. Well, we just because of the uh, different different layers. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's <clears throat> interesting, and he he meets a um, interesting cast of characters inside the tower as well. Of course, yeah. yes. Um, yes, it's also on my list of things I would like to read. But <laughs> uh, and I went ahead, like I went ahead and bought the other two books that are out in the series, and I haven't gotten to them yet. But it, they are definitely in, in my stack of things. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So it's um, how do you pronounce that? Sen Senlin Ascends. Yeah, Josiah Bancroft, and it's in paperback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, mine is. Not that. <laughs> so that's, again, a little, a little different, but it's it's magical realism, which um, if you've listened to me, um, most people know I really enjoy. I like, um, <laughs> I like, I like fantasy and I like science fiction, but I, I I love the magical realism where it is our world, but with just a little twist or out of the corner of your eye, there are things that can't be explained, and um, that just would never surprise me. So this one is The Book of Speculation. Um, it came out a few years ago. It came out right about when I bought the bookstore, I think. <laughs> well, and the cover, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if yeah. you could see the cover and you see early photos or, like, um, advertisements for the bookstore, you can see that um, there I might really, have been some inspiration. <laughs> I really love the cover of this book. Um, you'll have to look at it online to see. And they, they took it from hardcover to paperback. Um retaining the integrity of the original cover, which um, I really appreciated. But it's a, it's a family saga. It starts out with Simon Watson, who's a young librarian, and he's living alone in his parents' house on Long Island that is slowly falling into the sea. And um, his mother was a circus mermaid. And, um, yes. And, uh, wait. Is this, is this like the last unicorn of Barnum and Bailey, like with no, a goat with a no, 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 it's not. It's not at all. Um, so there's there's a lot of sort of mythology that goes into it. His younger sister ran off after their mother died, um, and she now reads tarot cards for a living at a carnival. So there's a lot of carnival in this. Carnies! Um, yeah, and so one day a book arrives on his doorstep, and it's been sent to him by an antiquarian bookseller, and it's um, who purchased it sort of on speculation, which is hence the title, The Book of Speculation. And the book is damaged and old, and it, he just um, is drawn to it because it talks about mythical things and a drowning death of a circus mermaid, and his family, all the women who are mermaids have this curse and they all die by drowning on July 24th at Ooh. a certain age. And it's only weeks away and he wants to save his sister. And so it goes back and forth in time and um, it brings in, he has a friend, Alice, who's worried about him, who helps him with a lot of the research. And, and it goes from there and I don't want to spoil it, but um, I will say I've, found it interesting, which nobody mentions in it, but at the end of the book, they end up in Savannah, Georgia, oh, which nice. is a fascinating little twist <laughs> to it. And the author, who is Erica Swy Swyler, 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 yeah. Swyler 
um, must have visited here at one point or another because she describes Savannah and the historical society in downtown and everything perfectly. So it does have a Savannah connection, but it's a beautifully written book. It's a debut, and it um, I would say fans of the Night Circus would like mm -hmm. it. Um, it has that sort of feel to it, and it's it's just a great read. It um, it reminds the Tiger's Wife. Mm -hmm. um, it's that kind of book, and um, I think it's it's been a little overlooked, and so I'd love people who like that kind of writing to look into yeah. it. I've actually had that sitting on my bookshelf um, since it came out in hardcover, and I haven't gotten around to it. You know, there are lots of books sitting yes. on my bookshelf <laughs> yeah. that I haven't gotten around to, but that that one may make a a, a, a jump, jump in the to be read yes. list. I would love, really I, yeah, I would love to have someone else to talk about this book with. It's been a while since I read it. It's it's a book that I would reread. Um, and it's um, there's a lot to it, and it is it's beautifully written, and the description of water and sort of the water around Long Island Sound is 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 really well done. Yeah. So highly is, recommend. Is this your copy or is this the store's? This copy? is the store's copy. I might be leaving with this today. <laughs> <laughs> so the Book of Speculation, a novel by Erica Swiler. Um, it's in paperback now, and um, and apparently that version contains a bonus short story. Yes, and we have a version with a bonus short story in it, which I haven't read, so now there's something new I have to look into. <laughs> yeah. All right, and that's it for me about this book. My third pick is so good. Such an amazing cover on this book. It's oh my God. gorgeous. <laughs> um, side note, totally unfair. Uh, the author also designed the cover. Oh, um, well done. Not allowed. She did the, um, to those that are listening, it's a heart and there are limbs of a tree growing out of the heart and there are birds in the limbs. She designed the cutout. I'm going to raise my hand and say when she says a heart, an, an anatomical, anatomical yeah, correct, correct heart. heart. Well, and also a side note, it is published by Tor.com, which I talked about a book from Tor.com um, a couple weeks ago, Riot Baby. Mm -hmm. They are putting out amazing books. So amazing if you haven't, books. If you haven't checked out anything being put out by Tor.com, Tor.com is do amazing. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, she is, this is her debut. It's Kathleen Jennings. She's from Australia. It's a novella, so I read it in a day. Um, it's set in a western Queensland town, um, kind of on the outskirts of the cities. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere, and um, the area that she lives in is obviously anything kind of in this gothic tale. The setting is the character itself. Um, and there are three towns in this little county reserve and two of them are decrepit and abandoned, and the last one is kind of on its last leg. And Bettina is the main character. She lives alone with her mother, um, and three years ago, her two brothers and her father disappeared after this big to-do fight. Mm -hmm. We don't know what happened. Um, and she gets a letter from someone. She doesn't know who, but they address her by her nickname, which only her father and brothers call her. So she teams up with two other teenagers in the town to find out who sent her this letter. Um, they were supposedly former friends. Bettina's memory is actually not very reliable, so it's got a non-reliable narrator, mm -hmm. which makes you just read it faster because you want to know what happened. <laughs> but it's interspersed with urban legends that are told by citizens of the town, and each urban legend slips in more information 
to what actually happened to her brothers and father. So you can piece it together by the time you finish it. I like that. Gorgeous book. The preface, I think I read at least three times. It's so beautiful. Just describing the setting. I read it to my roommate and she got angry because she wished she had wrote it herself or written it herself. <laughs> um, anyway, it comes out in July, July 28th. Sorry to tease you, but it's so good. Um, Fly Away by Kathleen Jennings and um, amazing. Yes. Yes. That's so, so good. Behind. And Melissa's so just stolen that I'm, reader's copy I of that. I need it back soon because Lily wants to read it. All right. But okay. I get, that'll, yeah. If you yeah. read it in a day. <laughs> she reads as fast as you do. Okay. So I'm cool. Okay. All right. So, um, all right, going a completely different direction. Um, <laughs> you know I love the graphic novels, um, and this one is written by Brian K. Vaughn, who anyone that knows me knows that I love everything that he does. So he is the genius that is behind Saga, Paper Girls, Why the Last Man, Pride of Baghdad. Like, the, mm-hmm. this guy knows and, what's up. And all be all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's amazing. So the this Zenith? One, um, yes, <laughs> He's, this one is Ex Machina, um, and so DC is, DC's Black Label is releasing um, these compendium volumes of Ex Machina um, in so bigger volumes. Um, so this one is the first volume, and it's the first 25 issues of it. And then two special issues. Like, the whole series is out, and you can find them in individual trades, but this is a bigger collection of them. Um, So basically, this is a guy who develops a superpower to control machinery, Mm -hmm. and in doing so, becomes a superhero, and he actually stops the second plane from um, crashing into the Twin Towers on 9-11, and because he's a hero, he becomes the mayor of New York City in just a landslide victory. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is told after he is the mayor. And so he still has his superpower, um, but he's the mayor of New York City. And this is so there's a lot of politics. There's a lot of uh, there's just a lot going on in here. And any like Brian K. Vaughn always has like the twisty sort of political intrigue in his Mm -hmm. books um and this is this is just an amazing story uh so is he a good guy in this yeah he is a good guy he's a he's a good guy. so he's not a good jetpack yeah Yeah. he's yeah the mayor wears a jetpack he's got to be a good guy it's almost (laughs) like the rocketeer but not okay (laughs) okay no it's um jetpack doesn't always mean good mostly i okay okay (laughs) agree to disagree (laughs) (laughs) but so ex machina um brian k vaughn amazing okay golden state by ben winners is um a strange alternative society the golden state is california and california has broken off from the rest of the country but you don't understand why um and they don't tell you for a really long time um eventually you get a little more, but there, this, it's a speculative kind of, um, book. Kind of like Underground Airline. Yeah. So he, it's, it's keeping with the, the stuff that he's done, like his novels that he's done. Um, it also is very much kind of the same sort of thing as the last policeman trilogy. Um, because Mm -hmm. there's sort of a, um, a little bit of a mystery 
in it. There is. There's a mystery, and there's there's a lot going on in it. And it starts out with uh, Laszlo, who's the main character, and he is a young, well, not he's relatively young, but he's a veteran of the speculative service, which makes sure that everyone is always speaking the truth at yeah. all times. Yeah, truth is valued very highly in this society. Like, when you walk up to someone on the street, you don't say just, hi, how are you doing? You recite, like, a fact to them. Like, two plus two equals four. Like, yes. and everybody records every single interaction they have all day. And so they write all these things down in this notebook, and then they file it in basically this archive so they have an archive of their whole life every sort of interaction they have every single day everything that happens to them so if there's ever a dispute you can go back and check that particular day yeah. and you're responsible for keeping these boxes yeah you're responsible for archiving every little bit of your life right and hmm. so then a um that's where the mystery comes in he um he goes down a lot of different roads, but ultimately he ends up reading a novel, which is forbidden. Because they're not true. Because they're not true, but he has this revelation in reading it that while he's reading it, it's more true than anything that's happening to him in the rest of his world. And and then he begins to question things. Mm -hmm. and As would, you would expect. I yes. Mean, and I think we would give away too much if we yeah, said any more yeah, about there, it. Yeah, um, you don't... You hooked me. It, yeah. it, I mean, it's a really interesting book, and um, there I, are things in it that are ambiguous, and you can take away um, a lot of different stuff from mm -hmm. it, depending upon how you're reading it. So it's just an unusual book. It is an unusual book. I, I actually listened to it, um, Libro FM, mm -hmm. and um, I enjoyed the narrator's tone he has sort of a um oh in seinfeld elaine has a boyfriend who has a very particular voice mm -hmm. putty yeah yes. yes and so i i don't i don't know that it's him but he has that same very similar um narrative voice um i started listening to it on libro fm and i enjoyed the narrator and it had, was nothing to do with the audiobook version of it because it was great I was just having trouble following it because mm -hmm. there are, it, it's just kind of, like I said, a weird book. Um, and so I switched over and actually read it and, um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, um, I, I listened to it all the way through, but, um, but I'm a, I'm a audio learner mm -hmm. oftentimes. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting book. Actually, I'd recommend anything by Ben Winters. Um, mm -hmm. he's, uh, he's, He's a really nice guy. Yeah, he's genuinely just a lovely human, too, so that always makes it a little bit better to recommend uh, uh, their books. And he has mm -hmm. an interesting sense of humor, and um, he he does well in speculative fiction and in fun fiction as yeah. well. Yeah, <laughs> well, I will say Underground Airlines is the first thing that I read by him, and that was mm -hmm. because Jessica brought back the advanced reader copy from a conference and was talking about it, and... It's fantastic as well, and then that caused me to read other things by him, and I really, really love the last Gleason yeah. trilogy a I, lot. I had just totally forgotten about his foray into the <laughs> the um, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies land. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. He, so. 
And I love him all the more for it. Yes, Absolutely. he has a he has a great sense of humor. Yeah. So. Yeah. so, Golden State, it's in paperback, a novel by Ben Winters, and anything else by Ben Winters. Yeah. Two okay. thumbs up. Two thumbs up. <laughs> we recommend. All right. Okay, my last book is uh, Oh, I'm currently reading it. I have 5 chapters left, I think, and I will explain why I don't know for sure. It's called <laughs> Crossings by Alex Landrigan. He's also Australian. Um, there's a theme. There's a theme today. <laughs> so um, on the back of the book, what the synopsis tells you, it's a novel but told in three separate stories. So there is a undiscovered or recently discovered manuscript by Charles Baudelaire, who was a poet in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called The Education of a Monster. And it reads like a ghost story but told in the first person, and it's written to an illiterate girl. Um, The second story is a noir thriller set in Paris in 1940, right before they are taken by the Germans. And the main character is a German Jew who has been in Paris for the past few years and just can't bring himself to leave. And he knows he needs to leave every day, but he gets caught up in this mystery that involves the education of a monster manuscript because he is a huge fan of Baudelaire. And then the last story is this weird kind of mythology-feeling fantasy story that reads like an autobiography, but it's this one woman whose life spans seven generations. Um, So there are two different ways to read the book, which the author writes a preface in the beginning You can either read it in sequential order, which would be each story separately, or you can read it in the Baroness sequence. And um, at the end of the preface, right before you begin the book, it gives you page-by-page number um, where to go. So you begin in the noir thriller, and then you'll go to the mythology, and then you'll go to the education of a monster manuscript. Um, and that one reads more like a novel because you can piece them together even though they seem like completely different stories. I haven't finished it yet. I still don't know what happened. <laughs> kind of freaking out. But um, each page end, each chapter ends with a marker on which page to go to next. Um, it's really well written. It's very... Um, I don't want to say description heavy, but the way that he writes is just very well done. And I mean, it's taken me a couple of days just to sink into it, but it's very well worth the read. So that one has been on my list of things to read Mm -hmm. because I got a very, very early advanced reader copy of it. And it came with the note explaining that you could read it out of order. I remember that. But the yeah. version that I got didn't have any of the page numbers for how to read it out of order. Oh. It was just like, you can read it in this order, but there was no like map to get yeah. there. So I was really intrigued by the idea of reading it non-sequentially. So I haven't read it yet. So I need to get my hands on like the newer advanced reader copy of it that actually has yeah. all of those things. Yeah. Um, and the, the letter that came with it initially was talking about, um, similarities to like the cloud atlas sort yeah. of that sort of feeling where there's a bunch of interconnected 
things that are not necessarily sequential. Um, yeah. That sort of feeling. They liken it to um, Kate Atkinson's Life After Life. Oh, which um, is very good. Cortazar's Hopscotch and Mitchell's Cloud Atlas. Okay. Um, but so, it spans 150 years. There are seven mm-hmm. lifetimes and there are two souls. Interesting. Crossings. So nice. good. What was your um, question? So when does it come out? Comes out in July, the same day that Fly Away comes out. <laughs> uh, There's a theme. You're just cruel, Australian yes. July. <laughs> it's gonna be a great day in July. Um, uh, Crossings by Alex Landrigan, who's another Australian author, and I actually highly suggest reading it in the Baroness sequence because it feels more like. I'm sure it does seem like a cohesive story when you read the three separate stories instead of in a novel format but it it feels more like an interwoven story when you read it in the baroness sequence i'd be curious so. how you would like reading it because i feel like it's the sort of um complaint that you have with like the night circus or mm-hmm. starless sea where there's like one narrative that you want and you'll read yeah. through that whole narrative yes. instead of reading the interconnected yes so. um yeah i'm i am bad about that when i get a book that has um and it depends on the book because that's not always the case yeah. um something like um actually the book of speculation or some other magical realism that has um a theme woven through that's interconnected and you just have to go with it but mm-hmm. um when there's a real storyline that i get hooked on i I can't let it go, and I have to yeah. just read that through, or I just can't pay attention to the rest of the book. So, yeah. Um, the only yes. downside to this is if you get to a certain chapter and you read a line, and you realize, oh, that's when he said this. You can't remember where it was because <laughs> you don't know which story it was in. And so I just spend about an hour flipping through the book trying to remember something so I can figure out the mystery, and then I just. It's like a fast, backwards choose-your-own-adventure book. Yes. (laughs) So good. Um, Highly recommend. All right, so for the last thing that I have today, I'm going to go with another children's pick because I love middle grade books. Okay, so it's um, the Pages and Company series, um, and this is the first book in the series. It's called The Book Wanderers, and it's by Anna James. Yay. Um, It's so it's so good. <laughs> um, so, I always say that I am very much a sucker for bookish books. So, any books that involve books themselves, or libraries, or bookstores, or any of those things, like I am just all in for it. And so, this I um, would compare to a middle grade version almost of Jasper Ford's Air Affair. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this is about an 11-year-old girl named Tilly whose grandparents own a bookshop called Pages and Company. Um, She lives with her grandparents because her mother has disappeared. I don't know where she is. Um, And she's in the shop one day and she looks up and she starts talking to a girl and realizes it's Anne from Anne of Green Gables. And so she's able to bring her favorite characters out of books um, and is like this is a little strange and realizes that she's a book wanderer and so this is a um, group of people who can sometimes bring fictional characters out of books but more uh, more usual is the ability to wander in books so they can go into books and interact with characters um, mm-hmm. in books um, 
And so her grandparents had that power. Her mom had that power. Um, there's a whole sort of underground society of book wanders. Um, it's just a lot of fun. Um, it's a really great fantasy story. Um, so it's got it's got the bookishness. Um, it's got great illustrations, um, and it's you know British. So I'm a complete Anglophile. So uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's it's firing on all cylinders for me. And is it a series or is it a standalone? It is a series. So this is the the first one is out in paperback now. The second one is supposed to come out in May. In May, assuming they keep that publication date, it's mm-hmm. already out in Great Britain. Um, and then there's definitely a third one on the way, but the rights for it have been optioned for a television show, Stop. which is very exciting. Yes. I think that will be incredibly cute. Um, and I can't remember his name, but she's got Tilly has an Oscar. Oscar's his name. She has an amazing best friend in here who's super fantastic. Um, And so he is, he's very talented and he lives across the street. Uh, He and his mom live across the street from the bookshop. And so they have a cafe. Yeah. Very nice. Very cute. It's very cute. Um, So if you have a, a middle grade reader at home who is a big fan of books and is a big fan of like, um, classics like Anne of Green Gables and Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. or also really likes fairy tales. This is a great mm-hmm. series for them. And for an adult that just enjoys kids' books, yes. this is a great series for great you. Um, yeah, just a lot of fun. And what, it's The Book Wanderers? It, the Book Wanderers is the name of the, the first book in the series. Pages and Company is the series name. And the next one that's coming out is The Lost Fairy Tales. Anna James? Anna James. James. Yep. Very good. All right. So that is all we have for you this time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Y'all are awesome. Keep reading. Keep reading. Yes, and be well. And I guess we'll all get through this separate but together. (laughs) Separate but together. United. (laughs) Yeah. So remember, you know, physical distance, not necessarily social distance. Yes. Yes. And um, remember your independent booksellers, wherever you are. Um, it's uh, it's a challenge for us right now, but we are um, but we appreciate everything that people are doing for us. Yeah, people are being great. And so, if you hear about books that you are interested in on this podcast, um, you can always order them through our website, or you can call the shop and order them. Or if you're not going to order from us, order from an independent bookstore. Please do support your indies wherever you are. Thank you. Thanks. Bye bye. <laughs>